eighty five percent of people who become christ followers do so between the age of four and fourteen so we have essentially this four fourteen window that really is the most impactful time in the spiritual shaping of our children welcome to life love and family so how are your kiddos doing with god do they know him do they turn to him in prayer when they need him Today, we're going to talk about raising a child who prays. Our special guest, Dr. David Ireland. Here I cry, Lord, we pray. Our faces down, our hands are raised. You called us out, we turned away, we've turned away. Shipwrecked faith, the idols rise. We do what is right in our own eyes. Our children now will pay the price. We need your life, Lord, shine your Before your hand, we're reaching out, we're reaching out. Welcome into Life, Love, and Family. Hi, I'm Dr. Tim Clinton, president of the American Association of Christian Counselors and your host here on Life, Love, and Family. Thanks for stopping by. Today, we're going to talk about how to raise a child who prays, teaching your family the power of prayer. I love what it says in 3 John chapter 1, verse 4 about our kids. I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. And what a privilege it is as a mom and or dad to teach your children about prayer, how to access God, how to go to Him in thanksgiving and praise, how to go to Him in those tough moments in life and actually believe that He's there for you. We have a special guest today. Dr. David Ireland is the senior pastor of Christ Church in northern New Jersey with a membership of more than 8,000. He's also a diversity consultant to the NBA, the National Basketball Association, and author of some 20 books, including The Skin You Live In, Building Friendships Across Racial Lines, and his newest book that we're talking about today, Raising a Child Who Prays. Dr. Ireland, welcome to Life, Love, and Family. Hey, Dr. Tim, thanks for the opportunity, man. You bet. As we get started, NBA, leadership, marriage, you've turned your attention, and I really, really love this subject on teaching our kids to pray. What brought that all about, Dr. Ireland, for you? I'd love to say that I was on the mountaintop and the Lord spoke to me, but it wasn't really that. (laughs) My publishers requested that I write a book on teaching children how to pray, and so I had an experience, a very interesting one, when I was teaching a leadership conference in South Korea after the night meeting. And this is a large conference that re- that had probably about 5,000 people and representing some 50 different nations of the world, primarily the 1040 window countries. And so after the night meeting, I went into the prayer room and I'm thinking that, well, I'm going to spend a few minutes in prayer. And when I went into that room, I started hearing these these prayer requests that came from such a broken place, a pure place. It was, God, give me Indonesia. Give me Egypt for your inheritance. God, give me Pakistan for your kingdom. And when I followed the direction of the voices, I was shocked. It was little children praying. They were about eight years old, 10 years old, 
they were laying prostrate on the floor in a prayer room, and they weren't there out of obligation to their parents. They were dressed in their pajamas. Some had their Batman pajama outfit on or <laughs> Cinderella, but yet it told me that clearly that these little ones, someone had imparted to them a legacy of prayer, and they were praying out of the brokenness of their own hearts towards the Lord. And so it just helped to revolutionize my own prayer life to say, God, help me to make a difference in my nation and to raise up not only uh, children in my own family, but children around the world that can be able to have power on bended knees. Hey, what a sobering story. What a moment there. Because we typically think of kids in prayer where they're praying about the puppy or maybe nanny who's sick or a skin knee, or they're praying about the game they're going to play coming up. Dr. Ireland, exactly. yeah, when we think of children and prayer for a moment, I don't think there's a parent out there who doesn't want to have spiritual influence in their child's life. We have that desire, but there's some type of disconnect, I think, between us and really pouring into them. I think one of the disconnects, and you've put it so poignantly, one of the disconnects is that parents, oftentimes they feel bad because they may look at their own spiritual lives and see that it's lacking. And then I point them to the Bible story. I said, let me show you Mary and Joseph, the earthly parents of Jesus. How do you as flawed, broken, complicated people raise the Savior of the world? It's a daunting task, but yet what we see from Scripture is that you don't have to be a perfect parent to be a parent that raises a powerful child. And so what Mary and Joseph did create is an authentic environment, an environment that had a number of stable points, such as their own devotional life and having going to the Passover and the various feasts of Israel and maintaining spiritual practice to the best of their abilities. But yet, ultimately, you're also saying, let me just create the space where God can work in the heart of my child. And that's what they did with Jesus. And so I come alongside of the parents in my book and say, look, your kids are not looking for a perfect parent. They're looking for one that's willing to create an authentic environment, and every one of us can do that. And it can be taught and caught, right? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, out of Luke 11, verse 1, the Scripture says that when Jesus had finished praying in a certain place, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, to pray, like John taught his disciples. And so that passage tells me clearly that prayer can be taught and prayer can be learned. And I'm not talking about rote, mechanical, robotic prayer. I'm talking about Prayer starts from a relationship with the living God. You know, and when we distill it down to its essentials, because little ones always want to try to understand, just like big ones, <laughs> what's prayer all about? <laughs> I remember five-year-old Emma in our children's church, the teacher always asked one of the students to pray before the lesson takes place. And so they asked Emma that day. And they said, can you lead us in prayer, Emma? And Emma wagged her head, shook her head from left to right, saying no. And they said, why not? She said, well, because I don't know how to pray. So therein the teacher gives her this 10-second lesson on prayer. The teacher simply said, Emma, praying to God is like talking to a friend. Can you now pray? And so Emma says, hi, God. How you doing, God? Bye, God. <laughs> and that was the extent of her prayer. And so I tell people, I said, you start there, but then sandwich the high and the bye with something a bit more substantive. And so we can teach our children how to pray. Our special guest today is Dr. David Ireland. He has a brand new book out called Raising a Child Who Prays, Teaching Your Family the Power of Prayer. Dr. Ireland, I remember as a boy, my father pastored for nearly 60 years. We were in a Wednesday night prayer meeting, an old country church in rural Pennsylvania, Ansonville, Pennsylvania. That particular night, when it was prayer time, uh, we would break up into prayer groups. And I remember I would get up as a boy and go up by my dad who came off of 
uh, the pulpit area and knelt in one of those old wooden pews, those straight ones that were boards. They even had a crack in the middle of the board. You get pinched by it every now and then. And Dr. Ireland, I remember this particular night, I'm kneeling beside him and there are a number of deacons beside him and we uh, go down the row praying. And after it was over, my dad just kind of nudged me and whispered in my ear, Tim, you always pray the same prayer. And his nudge to me was, you can talk to God about the things that are on your heart. And my dad was such a man of prayer, Dr. Ireland. He modeled it. And when we think about prayer, just for a second, I want you to help us. We're parents, okay? We're here to receive for a second. Define prayer clearly from your perspective. I know you said conversation with God. Right. Prayer is talking to God, but it's a two-way talk or a two-way conversation. We pray, then we listen. We pause because God wants to respond to us. And so God can respond by dropping a thought in our heart, helping us to gravitate towards a Bible verse or have our mind lock in on something. Or he can speak to us through his inner voice. And so there are a number of ways that we hear from God. But I think your story was such a clear story of what a parent can do and how it leaves an indelible impression upon the life of a child. And here you are now an adult and you still remember it so vividly. And so I tell parents, I said, look, there is no junior Holy Spirit, and God is not a grandfather. He's a father. And even to our children, he's not their grandfather. He's their heavenly father. And so we must then recognize that the throne room of heaven is not cordoned off to little intercessors. They have full access to God and God's throne in terms of prayer as we do. And so when we teach our children spiritual principles, and I teach them this way, I said, look, let's start off by putting some disciplines in the life of your children. And they won't get it overnight. It'll take time, just like maturation. They learn manners. They learn how to tie their shoes. They learn how to you know, tie a tie, or they learn how to put on a dress. It takes time to progress. Same way with spiritual things. But the foundations are, establish then a time of prayer. Set a place of prayer and set an agenda of prayer. Susanna Wesley, she was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, who were the founders of the Methodist Church, as you know. She had 19 children, and I can't even say that without stuttering. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. That's a football team. Exactly. But yet, Susanna taught her children how to pray. In fact, when they first started to speak, she taught them how to memorize the Lord's Prayer, and she had them recite it when they woke up and right before they went to bed. So twice a day until they got it. But getting back to those disciplines of prayer, what Susanna did to institute the discipline of prayer in our children is that as they matured, she made sure that their requests then reflected maturity. So they didn't just stay on the Lord's Prayer, they added other things to it. Yes, I love how you say we need a purpose of prayer, but we need also a pattern of prayer, a place, time, agenda that we're working through. And like you say, it takes time, baby steps, incremental. Let's just drop in a little caveat here just for a moment. There's some mom and dads out there listening saying, but what do you do with Johnny who's not interested? Or he's like ADD all over the place. What I do with Johnny or anyone else, and sometimes we can be like that as adults, is that I look for ordinary moments to impart spiritual things. So what I'm going to do as an adult, as the parent, I'm going to say, God, set up some moments, moments that are transformational, that when I'm driving in the car with Johnny or we're watching a football game or we're cooking dinner 
whatever, that Johnny poses a question or Johnny says something that is the perfect opportunity, unplanned, unscripted, for me to be able to leave a spiritual nugget into his heart that I won't wax eloquent and sound like a professor or a preacher preaching. I'm going to just speak conversationally to little Johnny, but that truth is going to be transformational. I'll give you an example. I have two children, both girls, and they're adults now. But when my youngest daughter, Jessica, was about five years old, we were driving to the mall together. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, Jessica turns to me and says, Dad, do caterpillars yawn? And I'm racking my brain. I'm saying, <laughs> what, do I, what do I have to now go and study the yawning habits or the habits of North American caterpillars to figure out if they yawn? And so but what Jessica's really asking me is one of the five questions that every child wants to have answered. That's part of this spiritual formation. One of the questions is, tell me about God and his creation. And therein, she wasn't really caring about the yawning habits, if there are. I still haven't looked it up. But, but I, I started speaking to Jessica in that unplanned moment, that ordinary moment, about God's creation. And at every stage of development of our children, they're going to ask those five questions, and we should answer them based on their level of maturity. I love how you, in this work here, raising a child who prays, teaching your family the power of prayer— you give parents room, elbow room in here, not to be perfect. It's a journey, and we struggle at times with God. We struggle in our own prayer lives. Nevertheless, it's important that we become men and women of prayer because that modeling is so important. There's this taut piece, but there's this caught piece. I'm going to give you a picture of me as a boy. Uh, my dad used to drive a, a small bus run where he'd pick up the children on the dirt roads and bring them out to the paved roads to get the big yellow bus. I remember there were two points where he would drop kids off to meet the yellow bus. On the second point, I used to get on the bus on the first point, and on, at the second point, we would drive by there, and there would be kids, and then I'd notice my dad would always be seated inside of that Jeep with those school bus signs on it. And his Bible would be in his steering wheel. And I knew, I learned through the years, that he would sit there for at least an hour or so, or maybe, maybe not that long, but in between bus runs. And I knew that was a personal time. And I learned that it was a prayer time for him where he prayed for every one of us by name. That's a powerful picture. That so influenced me, I know, as a parent. That was a picture of what I believed God wanted me to do with my children, Megan and Zach. That modeling piece. You don't have to be perfect as a mom or dad. I read a quote by Richard Foster once in Celebration of Discipline, or his book on prayer. He said, one of the greatest deterrents to an effective prayer life is the belief that everything has to be perfect in order to pray. Dr. Ireland, your thoughts on that? That's a powerful quote, and it's so important, and it ties right to that issue of some things are taught, other things are caught. And here's a picture I want to reference again, Susanna Wesley. And here's this woman with 19 kids, have very little time to herself, but yet she seldom missed an hour of prayer every day. I said to parents in the book I teach, try to set a place of prayer for your kids and help them along with that in terms of choosing a place, whether it's their favorite chair or it's the living room sofa, but some private space where they feel like this is my sacred spot. But Susanna Wesley had a spot, and she didn't have a big mansion. What she chose to do was to take her apron, an ordinary apron that she would wear around her waist when she's cooking. She would take her apron and she'd throw it over her head, and she taught her children, whenever you see a mom with her apron over her head, she's in her place of prayer, never interrupt her. Therein is a picture of what it means then to catch it. It's not just taught, but it's caught. One kid said this about his dad. 
My dad stands tallest when he's on his knees. I love how you wrote these words. God listens to hearts, not words. Well, that's a great statement as we think about our children and their prayer life. That's so true because sometimes our little ones are not able to articulate what they're really feeling. But God doesn't have to sit there and try to decipher their words. He understands hearts. And so prayer is really the language of the heart. And when we're praying and talking to God, even little ones, and they're praying and talking to their Heavenly Father, He understands and He wants to answer them. And so when we impart that legacy to our children, we're setting them up for life because we're equipping them with this legacy that no matter what difficulty they face as an adult or even as a teenager or as a young adult, whatever stage in their life, when we've given them the tools of prayer, they're totally equipped that they can be able to forge through every difficulty, circumvent every roadblock or trip or fall or anything that uh, the enemy may try to set for them or any difficulty they may face in life because we've empowered them by teaching them how to talk with God. Our special guest again today is Dr. David Ireland. He has a brand new book out called Raising a Child Who Prays. He's the founding and lead pastor of Christ Church, about 8,000 members there in northern New Jersey. Uh, God's using him mightily. Fantastic topic. I hope that uh, you're really enjoying this conversation. Dr. Ireland, in the book, and I appreciated this, you go into the scripture, uh, you gave examples of children who prayed from scripture. Samuel, Uzziah, Josiah, Jesus, John the Baptist. Yes, I felt that A lot of times we as Christians, when we read the scripture, we have this idealized perspective that's oftentimes incorrect. We tend to think that everybody in the scripture came out of the womb as a spiritual champion. They were all of a sudden the superheroes as soon as they were born. Not so. They had to learn how to mature and progress. And so when I took a slice out of the life of John the Baptist, and there are very few Bible verses for John, but when I looked at the sparseness that's there, it tells us that he grew in stature. He grew, he matured. So in other words, spiritual maturity is a process. And so I told people and teach them that John the Baptist, just like Samuel, just like Josiah, just like all the other great Bible heroes, didn't start off as sensational men and women of prayer. They had to give themselves to it. Prayer is an art that must be learned just like one learns how to swim. You've got to get in the water and go after it and try it and experiment and keep going for it until you perfect it. And it takes decades. And even now, in my 30th year of pastoral ministry, I'm still learning the art of prayer. But I have to be hungry and maintain the student-like posture in order to become someone effective on bended knees. Yeah, what's the saying? Little prayer, little power. More prayer, more power. Much prayer, much power. Yes. You know, for all of us in our everyday life, prayer can be a journey. Sometimes it gets a little intimidating. You try to get time alone with God and your mind begins to race and you struggle with calming yourself or pulling your thoughts together. Dr. Ireland, how do we teach our children to approach God in prayer? I know people talk about Thanksgiving and praise and petition and more, but when it comes to children, we don't want to get lost in all this, but nevertheless, we need to teach them, and we really want them to develop kind of a spiritual power, if you will, as a part of their prayer. Great question. At the end of my book, I have these prayer exercises that the parent then takes the little one and they engage in this fun exercise, but it's still sacred. For example, one of them is taking your hand with the five fingers, Each finger represents a different topic of prayer. For example, when you take the thumb, it's closest to you. And so that thumb then could be 
You can be praying for a grandparent, praying for someone that's close in your life. And you take the pointing finger. You pray for someone who gives guidance, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a Sunday school teacher or an academic teacher at school. The middle finger, it represents someone who's an authority figure in your life because it stands the tallest on our hand. And so whether you're praying for the President of the United States or praying for the principal of your school or praying for someone that's in a place of authority in your life, you're able to do that. And so I walk them through that process with the five-finger prayer and other methods, more contemporary methods, like let's take your cell phone and most of us have smartphones and you're able to take pictures with it. Well, scroll through some of your pictures with your child and each picture that you come up on, pray for the person in that picture. And you'd be surprised when children are engaging using modern technology, but yet they're learning spiritual disciplines and spiritual truths. And so those are some of the things I do, but I also then help the child by helping them set an agenda of prayer. So that's why when you go into prayer, you're not going in there saying, okay, what do I pray about? You go in there with some idea already, whether it may be you're praying for needs at school or you're praying for needs at home or you're praying for you know, your parents or whatever it may be that they, that they have as established an agenda. It's something that helps our prayer time to become something that's focused and effective because we have an idea as to what we want to talk to God about. Dr. Ireland, Praying for our children, I think, is pretty easy. Uh, as parents, we pray for our kids. We want them to do well, etc. How important is it to pray with our children? I think it's extremely important because, according to International Bible Society, 85% of people who become Christ's followers do so between the age of 4 and 14. So we have essentially this 4-14 window that really is the most impactful time in the spiritual shaping of our children. It's one thing for us to pray for our kids when they're not around, hold another thing to bring our children alongside of us and pray with them. It doesn't have to take long. When my children were small, we'd drive to school, and there are times when one of the daughters would say, Dad, this is going on, one of the kids is doing this or doing that, or I'm having trouble with this topic or that topic, and we'd spend a few moments as we're in the car praying about that topic because they're antsy, their hearts are wide open, their day is about to start, and so they're thinking about all those things, sometimes those things that may make them feel awkward, and so prayer calmed them down, but also gave them expectation that God's about to be involved in their day. <laughs> and so praying with our children is extremely essential to their spiritual development. I'm thinking about my dad again, and I remember listening to my dad pray, and how he, he would really um, exalt the Lord in his prayer. I've often caught myself thinking, Lord, I want to exalt you in my prayer life, and uh, right down to him asking God for grace and mercy and forgiveness and wisdom and strength. Interesting, I recently had a conversation with my son. He was, I don't know, I think it was like a Father's Day note he had written to me, and we were talking a little bit about being a dad, and he said, Dad, one of the things I've always appreciated most about you are all the prayers where you, you ask God to help you to be a good dad to me and Megan. And I never even really thought about that, but those little pieces, they catch, and they become a part of their DNA, don't they? Absolutely. I love what you said about how your father would just exalt the Lord, and, and those things are so essential. In fact, when Paul was writing to the Colossians, he said in Colossians 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. 
And so that thankfulness piece is a significant piece when it comes to prayer. And even parents that could be able to say to God in the presence of their kids, God, thank you for my son, or God, thank you for my daughter. Help me to be able to, as your son said, help me to be that good parent, that good dad, to understand their spiritual formation, their personality, and point them in a the direction that they are destined to go in so they can be they feel fulfilled with the usage of their gifts so there's so many things we can do without sounding as if we're theologians or hitting ourselves over the head because we feel as if we're not so competent when it comes to prayer we can all be thankful and we can express that thankfulness to god in the presence of our children and that by itself is a great teaching tool for our children to understand the power of prayer you know it's probably very easy well it is very easy to get frustrated when you you want to instill or impart truth into your children. There are probably some people listening saying, that's not going to happen in our home. It's just, you don't, you don't understand our family, our kids. Yet at the same time, their heart yearns. Dr. Ireland here in closing, speak again to us all about this. Pro- there isn't probably a perfect pattern. I know you've given a lot of special exercises and directions in your book here on raising a child who prays, but help us, encourage us to stay the course and maybe not to just force this, but really to just pray earnestly and work earnestly out of a spirit of love and conviction with our kids. Well, I love that what Jesus tells us, that men ought always to pray and never give up. And so there's this persistence in prayer. We may have created a home environment that didn't lend itself to prayer prior to this time, but we recognize our lack. And so I would suggest that you just ask God to help you now to change the culture of your home, that it becomes one that has this sense of thankfulness and reverence towards God. And don't beat yourself up as a parent as you're driving in your car, perhaps washing the dishes or sitting in front of your laptop listening to this program. I want you to realize that God is with you and he's not angry with you. He wants to help you to develop this kind of atmosphere in your home. It takes time, but it takes also patience. So you need to say to God, God, give me the persistence and the patience with myself that I can be able to help to deposit the right ingredients in my family so it indeed can become a family that gives itself to prayer. And God, who loves to answer prayer, will answer this prayer of yours. I love what Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 33.3. He said this, Call unto me, and I'll answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you haven't even seen yet. Our special guest today has been Dr. David Ireland. Uh, We've been talking about raising a child who prays, teaching your family power of prayer. It's really about a legacy project, isn't it? (laughs) It reminds me of Paul in 2 Timothy 1.5. He said, you know, it's that unfeigned faith that I saw in your grandmother Lois, it's in your mother Eunice, and I know that it's in you also, Timothy. 
That's what this is all about. It's about God wanting to work through you, mom, through you, dad, to have influence in your son and or daughter's life so that they what? They can turn their heart, turn their hurts. They can hope that God's there, especially when they need him the most. If you um, want to learn more about Dr. Ireland, his work raising a child who prays and more, visit us at lifeloveandfamily.net. Or you can call us toll-free. Our number is 855-455-3264. That number again, 855-455-3264. We're here every day at this time on this dial. You know why? Because we care about you and your relationships, your relationship with God, your relationship with those you love the most. Our prayer is that God would work in a special way in your life. I'm Dr. Tim Clinton for Life, Love, and Family. Thanks for listening. Life, Love, and Family. America's number one Christian residential treatment program, Honey Lake Clinic, specializing in addiction, depression, anxiety, bipolar, PTSD, staffed by nationally recognized psychiatrists and psychologists, a team of MDs and 24-hour nursing care, a 600-acre scenic sanctuary of unmatched beauty, Honey Lake Clinic, most insurance accepted, scholarships available, phone 844-747-7772, online, honeylake.clinic.